Hey, 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 it's me, Katie here. Grab a notebook, add a cuppa, and join me in the sociology staff room. So, I'm super, super, super excited because not only have I got a brilliant guest speaker, but also a dear friend as well. So, I'm putting my full disclosure there. Welcome to the sociology staff room, Jenny. Hi, Katie. <laughs> so, I'm really, I'm going to give you the introduction you deserve. You're former member of SLT, teaching and learning, also a, a, was a head of sixth form as well, or as part of your SLT role. I'm looking at my notes, I know these already. Um, you, you know, teacher of economics, I know it's not social, but there's a crossover to the social sciences there. Also uh, working within coaching and counselling, and has established a business called Belgrave, 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 is that right? Yeah, it, within counselling and coaching. So just lots of experience, and I know that we've, sort of spoken separately about teacher wellbeing. And I've realised a couple of my sessions recently on the podcast have sort of centred around teacher wellbeing. I think that's because I think it's just so important this moment in time for lots of different reasons. Um, you know, obviously there's been talk of the great sort of resignation within teaching and the last two podcasts I've looked at have looked at the imposter syndrome uh, and has also looked at how we can support non-specialists in sociology as we tend to have quite a lot of non-specialists. But sort of from a generic point of view, you know, how or why is teacher wellbeing so, so important to the teaching profession? Well, I think it's because at a very individual level, you are important. And if we don't look after ourselves, how can we look after the children or the staff in our care? Um, it's like when you're on the plane and they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on before you attend to the children. It doesn't feel right, but it's the right thing to do. It's this myth that self-care is selfish um, because if we don't look after ourselves, then there isn't going to be anything left of us. And what we do is so important um, that if we don't actually look after ourselves and our own well-being and our, our mental states, then, then we've got nothing left to give. And we are a profession full of givers. And I think that's where some of the problems lie in our strength oh, so well said yeah definitely i mean you know obviously thinking about sociology teachers that's i'm not saying that no other teachers are exactly the same but i know part of our sort of our profession or our sort of reason we teach sociology is we care about society in the world and like you said if we don't look after ourselves um you know and obviously all teachers are looking after students and making them feel the best they can but if you don't do that as you said then how can we get the best out of our students our team uh, as well but thinking about that you know well-being is this word that's thrown about loads particularly in the media and you know social media particularly what does that actually mean on a day-to-day -day basis because you think you know you're a teacher you might be a parent a friend a mother all these you know father all these sort of things you know in your life different roles you've got to take but how on a day-to-day -day basis how practically can you go ahead and actually fulfill well-being? What does that look like? What does that mean? You know, yes, we talk about it, but how, how on earth can you do that on a daily, daily basis with all the other things that are putting here, there and everywhere? Well, I think the most important thing is to set boundaries, um, that it's important to have some time every day for you. I mean, we're a profession full of givers. You know, you ask any teacher why they've come into the profession and they tell you that they want to give something back, that they want to make a contribution, that they love their subject, they want to inspire the next generation. Everything is very much from a giving point of view. And that's great because giving makes you feel good and it gives you that sense of purpose. Um, and that can fuel your well-being. Um, and, but it also energizes you to give even more when things have gone well. But also when things go badly, as they inevitably do in school, we live in a very emotionally charged world 
in classrooms. We never know what's coming at us from one minute to the next. It's super busy. Um, and it's very easy for you to start to believe that what you do hasn't worked or hasn't made an impact or hasn't made a contribution. Um, and consequently, you find yourself doing more. Um, you realize that you haven't quite done enough or it hasn't worked and you start to blame yourself. Um, and I think for me, underlying the lack of well-being is this sense of not being good enough that seems to inflict most of our, our profession because we're so desperate to give and make a contribution that when it doesn't work, we then look inwards and we think, right, what did I do wrong? Um, how could I have done that better? And we work harder and we work harder and we do more and we give more until there's nothing left. And sometimes we don't even see it coming. We, we just get burnt out because we just, we've just got too much that we've given. And, you know, you go home and if you've got a family as well, then you put yourself right at the bottom of that list and you give to your family, you give to your department um, and suddenly there's nothing left. And so we end up, you know, with stress, with burnout, with exhaustion, um, because we haven't set ourselves appropriate boundaries about looking after ourselves. Mm -hmm. So those boundaries you said that are so important, and it's easier said than done. I mean, how? I mean, on a practical basis, like obviously, you said like obviously with the teaching job, particularly the job is never done. I know we've spoken about that many times. That there's always more to do. There's more you can read and research, and obviously, obviously, sociology. There's always research coming out, just like economics. How do you then put those boundaries? Play. What sort of useful tips are, could we put into place in order to go right? This is my boundary. Is, is it as simple as you know taking time out on the diary and going right? I'm going to put that Pilates class, or is it physically creating that boundary, or is that mentally? Um, I think both of those work. For me, the thing that made the biggest difference was acknowledging that perfect doesn't exist, and that no matter how hard I worked, I was never going to get to this level of perfection that I had in my head. Um, and once I realized that and I gave myself permission to just accept that what I do was enough and that I am enough and that my contribution is enough and I work hard and that there is an end point and that is all I'm going to do today. That was where I put my boundary. Now for everyone that's going to be in a different place, but just accepting that there is no more you can do sometimes um, and that all you can do is the very best job you can. Um, but to the best job to yourself as well. Um, so that for me was my first boundary, just telling myself that I was enough every single day and that that lesson may not have gone well, but yeah, I'll try it a little bit differently the next time, um, but it's not the end of the world. Um, so challenging that that sense of, of not being um, perfect, not being enough is, is really crucial. And then giving yourself permission to do the thing that you love doing for yourself. Now. I'm not going to lecture you on, on how to improve your well-being because it's different for everybody. For me, it's being out in nature, taking a walk. That's where I really recharge. But for others, it might be meditation. It might be journaling. Um, it could be going to the gym. Whatever it is, find your thing and do that if you know that that's something that's for you and that's your time um, and it's precious. And that boundary has got to be held intact to make sure that you you respect that. Like you said, yeah, it's so important because you like. I think I, I know I've sent you something the other day, going on sort of like a, a bigger picture here. But like we all have different values, and I we sort of spoke about that separately. And so it's not doing the same thing as somebody else, maybe in your school, mm -hmm. within your department. It, it means something different for different people. And I think you said something really important there. Is is I think sort of uh, 
our last speakers, uh, John and Brandy spoke about it, is there isn't a thing called perfect and perfect doesn't actually exist. And mm -hmm. that actually and acknowledging that, which is what your words are, really echo those same sort of sentiments is, well, actually, I've given enough, that's okay. And giving yourself that permission that it's, it's okay to do something for you. And that doesn't make you a bad teacher or anything like that or selfish or whatever that might be. And actually, if you find that quite a difficult thing in your head, I suppose, is actually you're doing it, you could almost tell you're doing it for the students, like you said already, that actually if I invest in me, then actually I am gonna come back fully charged and, and ready to be the best version of me in the lesson. So sort of taking on from that, and I think sort of, sort of, there's some sort of key points there, is in a sort of an ever-changing world, particularly in education, where we've got potentially some, you know, we don't know what the sort of next political leadership will show for us. We've obviously got sort of the, the energy crisis at the moment. We've got, it sounds like doing the glue, I don't mean sound like that. We've got lots of things changing. We know that, you know, within sociology, within the social sciences, we've got constant changes within the curriculum as, as well as possible spec changes, but information always coming to us. We also have got the sort of change of the offset criteria. So I know uh, later on this week, we're gonna do a session on deep dives. Um, you know, there's all these things that are sort of out of our control and actually can add to that feeling of, I'm not good enough, I can't do this. How do we sort of keep that resilience in ourselves when the, the whole, all lots of things on a macro level are changing around us. I know you spoke about the individual level, but you know sometimes it can be well. Someone's told me to do this. Now there's a policy change from that. How do we sort of keep that grounding in a sort of ever changing environment? Well, I think you've got to focus on the individual level because it's the only thing you can focus on. We can't cure the energy crisis. We can't solve inequality. We can't do all the things we'd love to do. That's completely out of our control. The only thing we can ever control are the thoughts that pop into our head. Um, and so we have to start with us, we have to start with the self. I think that's really important because otherwise we take the weight of the world on our shoulders. We worry about things we have no chance of doing anything about. All you can do is show up the best version of yourself in the classroom and make a little bit of a difference one person at a time and just make sure that we are true to ourselves because there's no point worrying about the other things. It's a waste of energy. It's energy we don't have. You know, we, we teach about it, we can talk to the students about it, but we can't take that on. All we can do is control ourselves, control our thoughts and the way we look at the world and what we can do in that moment. Um, and I think that's the only way we can do it is keeping that locus of control firmly at the centre. And it's not selfish. It's preserving what little energy we've got to make sure that we, we do the very best job we can. So like, I suppose it's linked to, I mean, I'm thinking of sociological theory here and applying mm -hmm. to that as well, because obviously it's that idea of that structure action debate. And I know that this sort of crossovers, obviously I teach, you teach it in economics as well with sort of macro and micro, but sometimes there's this idea that actually on a structural level, like you said, we're not going to solve maybe as an individual the energy crisis, but we can sort of keep that, have some sort of agency within the classroom, within our interactions with those students, with our mm -hmm. interaction with self as well. And we can role, we can role model well-being to our students mm. and our colleagues. Um, and that may well be the greatest gift we give people. Mm, that's really interesting. I think I can't remember where I heard that the other day. And I was like, oh, actually, it might be um, a, a fellow podcaster, totally out of my league up there. Uh, Steve Bartlett was talking about that. And, um, and I was listening to his the other day, and he was basically saying that, that, that sometimes the value isn't these sort of big sort of global gestures that actually that one interaction with that one student, she or he could be 
the next person that solves cancer or the cure they're not his my words they were his words um we can't really worry about that what we can do is show up be the best version of ourselves look after ourselves role model that to our our students and colleagues and hope for the best really Mm. And that's the thing, it's, I suppose it's not, again, I'm sort of taking it to that next level is probably what you said, like, we can't imagine where that's going to take, like, and that's not in our control as well. It's sort of controlling, like you said, the things that are within your locus, the things that you can control. Um, with regards to sort of, we talked, you sort of alluded to how you can, I don't know, expand that, sort of filter that across. Um, obviously, imagine you're the head of department, what sort of things could you put into place to secure their well-being? I know that again, it's, it's to do with you, maybe it's just the role modelling, but is there anything else as a head of department um, could do in order to support their sort of colleagues? Well, it's interesting because a head of department role is, is probably one of the most difficult roles in schools because you're squeezed, aren't you? You're squeezed between wanting to serve your colleagues and, and the children, but also knowing that you've got to meet the demands of your senior leadership team and your immediate bosses. And, and quite often, in order to protect your team, you end up taking on more because that's the only way to keep the bosses at bay. So your own mental health is really important here. So you know everything I've said about the individual and self-care is absolutely vitally important to the leadership of the school as well, whether it's middle management or senior management. And um, so that's really important too. The best way you can serve your team, I think, is in your interactions with them day in, day out. Praise is crucial. Never, ever underestimate the value of goodwill. Um, and it's that personal touch. You know, if you've got somebody in your team that's not performing, have a personal conversation. Don't send out a blanket email telling everybody what they need to do, because we know, don't we, that everybody in your team that doesn't need to hear it will absorb all those words and think that it's them not doing a good job. And the one person you want to target with that message hasn't got a clue that you've even meant them. So keep your, your interactions personal. Performance management is a personal thing. Praise personally. You know, really get to know your team, what makes them tick, and encourage them to look after themselves. I think they're the best things you can do. Um, and, you know, perhaps treat yourself like you would other people. You know, if you had a friend or a colleague that came to you for advice and you would tell them to slow down or take some time out, make sure you do that for yourself as well. You know, so the advice you give to your colleagues, make sure you follow it too. Mm, it's a lot, lot of things you said there, like obviously you said as the, the idea about sort of email happy sometimes just sending out these sort of global emails and that's the power of interaction. And I think that's so important to take away. And I think that the first point as well, you mentioned about um, praise. Like sometimes we sort of think that's, I was thinking about this today actually, I was, I was marking students work and I was thinking to myself, you know, you, you give them lots of praise and that's, typical for teachers to do that. Uh, but do we do that for our colleagues? Do we do it to people in our own lives and our own family in the way that we do to sometimes, you know, a student? And actually, why, why don't we enough? Maybe because we think they're adults, that adults don't like praise or I don't know. People in teaching are quite modest, aren't they? They don't want the praise. That's not what they're doing it for. But everybody likes it. They might not like it publicly. So the head of department just you know, putting your arm around someone and telling them they've done a good job mm. can be really, really powerful. But mm. actually self-praise is really important while we're on the subject of praise because in this job it's so busy. You know, nobody sometimes notices what you're doing in a busy day. There might not be another soul that tells you at any point that you've done something good today. So you've got to tell yourself that you've done something good. You know, that's hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's really hard it feels really corny but you've got to practice it and develop that habit 
um, and just say, hey, I've, you know, I've done a five period day today. I've had duty. I've had a meeting. I'm still standing and I've given I've given back a lot today. And that's mm -hmm. great. And you don't need anyone else to tell tell you that you can tell yourself that. Mm. And as like I said, I think you mentioned journaling before. And I know that's not up everyone's feet. Mm -hmm. I think Jenny knows me well enough, but I love it. I love a journal. Um, and mm -hmm. it works for me, but actually it doesn't have to be something you write down. It could be something you, you mentally mentally say to yourself. Sorry, three things on the way home in the car, three things that have gone well today and make that your, your kind of your full stop on your way home. Don't worry about the things that have gone wrong. For everything that's gone wrong in your day, think of three things that went well. Because we do, we're very negative focused in education. We're always looking for the even better ifs, but you know, let's just focus on what went well. Oh, so definitely. I mean, that's definitely, that's what like, uh, Brandon John mentioned last week was this idea of, you know, focusing on what went well rather than things we don't. I think so we sort of look at something in a day and think, oh, you know, this went well, oh, but look at how much didn't go well. Actually, in reality, it's probably the other way around. Um, and I think you were saying earlier about sort of the way you talk to yourself. I mean, self-talk is such an amazing or so influential uh, tool. I mean, if you go into a lesson, and I know this from teaching training, but it's a really good thing to remember is if you go and go, oh, this lesson's going to be terrible today, or oh, I'm not good, or this hasn't happened. And surprise, surprise, that lesson's going to have that, isn't it? It's going to, it's going to create that atmosphere in the classroom. Whereas actually, if you said those, you know, driving home from work, okay, you go and these things that weren't well, focus on those, go to bed. I know it's just easier said than done, but actually, just starting with those three steps is an amazing way of, of thinking about just an initial way of starting your day or ending your day um yeah self-talk's amazing so there's, we've talked about loads and i know we could talk about this forever because there's some i know that i'm personally interested in in a lot of ways and i know that's something you feel passionate about um and it all does sort of end with you isn't it your, your accountability check is you like you said if people want to find out more about teacher not necessarily teachers don't have to be teacher well-being but well-being is what's a good starting point for either further reading or further watching what is what would be your go-to like if i've never heard of it before mm -hmm. and i was like do you know i've seen it all talked about but how does this you know if you want to find a bit more about it without it being so theoretical like the works of i don't know some psychoanalysis or something like that's been quite mainstream well the book that changed my life was i am enough by marissa peer mm -hmm. um and that was what really got me thinking about the importance of me in this equation. And um, stop thinking about Ofsted, stop thinking about lesson observations and all the things that judge us and start actually looking at how we control ourselves in the here and now um, and focusing on what we can do rather than what we can't do. So for me, that, that was my go-to. It's a, it's a really good read, very easy read. Um, and that's what really pivoted me on this journey. So yeah, that would be the one I'd say go-to. I love smiling because someone gave me that book. Was it? Was I Barbara? Did you buy me? I think yes. And I, I'm not going to say who, but someone. I gave it to someone, and I still and I kept, I've written it down. That's what I'm doing now. I gave it to someone that I thought might really be more useful to read it at that time, and I still haven't got it off that person. Now, if that person hasn't got it, that's absolutely fine. It's a gift. I feel that maybe I don't need to take it from that person. I feel like I will put it out there. I need to buy it for myself because you've spoken about it on not more than one occasion with me and i thought that's that's uh something i need to do maybe the reason i've heard it today is that i need to, and i've actually written it down there we go there we go <laughs> the camera is there it is. um 
I'm going to go ahead and read that. Um, I think, and also talking to other people, isn't it? I think sometimes we think it's us and the only ones that are feeling like this or and actually what I've realised, the more you talk to people, everyone's sort of semi on that journey um, mm. and it's just nice to have a supportive network around you um, to, to sort of talk about how you're feeling. And, and sometimes with the classroom, you've got, you, you're adulting quite a lot, aren't you, in, in front of students. And so you wouldn't have those conversations with them. Um, but actually finding a sort of a, a sort of um a tribe within your school that feels the same sort of your yeah. your your fans really not as in like ah oh, but you know people that would echo the same belief system as you potentially yeah yeah and get that conversation started because the more we talk about it the better off we're all going to be because we're all feeling it you know 90 of the 95 percent of the the profession every school i've ever worked with are probably got exactly the same mindset yeah, so true, so true. I feel like I need to just, I feel like I can't add any more to that. I think you've said it, I think that's quite a good point to end. So sometimes you sort of like add more to it. Definitely, I think start talking because actually probably more people are feeling the same as you. Thank you, Jenny, for your time. You. I do Thank appreciate it. And um, hopefully we can have more conversations like this, both either on this forum or outside. Um, because, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Oh, thank you ever so much and have a wonderful Thank you. Day. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. The Sociology Stuff Room is brought to you by tutor to you Sociology. Find us at tutor2u.net forward slash sociology or follow us on Twitter at tutor2usoc or Instagram at tutor2usoc. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.